A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Greetings everyone and welcome to Main Menu for the 23rd of June 2017. This is your co-host Jason Castanguay. This week we have our heads in the clouds as Jonathan Mosen joins us once again. He speaks with Janine about Zoom, a cloud-based conferencing service. As a testament to the audio quality of this service, Janine and Jonathan used this service to conduct their meeting. After that, Joe Hodge returns and shows us how to get different voices installed on the Sony Bravia TV, this voice in particular being the Eloquence voice. And right under the wire, Randy shows us the Vox. Enjoy! Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi everyone, this is Janine Stanley, and today I am talking again with a wonderful friend of Main Menu, and apologies for my terrible allergy voice here, but I have with me today Jonathan Mosen, who is always in fine voice. Hi Jonathan. Oh, well, as long as it's not me you're allergic to, I'm, that's good. It's nice to be back. <laughs> well, I'm clearly not allergic to technology because Jonathan has given us a new and fun and interesting and accessible technology uh, software package to play with, and that is Zoom Cloud Meetings. And Jonathan, not only do you have a new book about Zoom Cloud Meetings, which we'll talk about in a bit, but this is a really powerful tool that is actually used in employment and in all kinds of settings. Can you tell us a little bit about what Zoom Meetings, what is this piece of software? Yes, I think this is the exciting thing that it's, it's, it is a mainstream product and it's being used so widely. So this, this Zoom Cloud Meetings product is a way for people to get together either online or over the telephone and you can have participants of up to 100 at a time with the Cloud Meeting product and essentially communicate with one another. The audio is really good and you can also share your screen. The, the, the screen sharing part is not accessible in the sense that a blind person can't read the screen of somebody who is sharing their screen. However, you can share sound as well. And when you combine that with the remote control feature that Zoom has, there are some really cool implications of that. For example, I've actually been sitting here on my Windows PC having some limited control over my daughter's Mac on the other side of town. So I'm running JAWS, she's running voiceover on her Mac, and yet I can still tab around her screen and hear voiceover speaking back. Oh, wow. Wow, now that's very interesting for technical support situations on both sides, kind of going both ways, because I'm sure there are many of us out there that we're the tech person in the family, and we end up doing tech support for the parents or tech support for, you know, whomever. Uh, and of course, then there is always the, oh, I need a pair of eyeballs to read this screen. Yeah, I see that I'm using that a lot with Zoom. So just the other day, I had a window from Dragon naturally speaking, which I have found really has improved my productivity a lot. But it came up with this window and no matter what I tried, I couldn't read what the window was saying. All I could tell was that it had popped up a window and there was a close button. And so I was able to get my daughter to establish a Zoom meeting with me and I shared my screen and she was able to read 
uh, what the window said and it just told me that it was doing some sort of temporary software update thing so the advantage of that is something like jaws tandem is really great when you've got two blind people communicating with one another but as you say if you just want to answer the what's on the screen question um, this is phenomenal that the audio features and we're talking on this I don't think we mentioned we're talking on the zoom conferencing system now absolutely yeah, one of the things I really like about it is that it has some great recording features. If you go pro, which if you pay a year up front is only about $12 a month, so it's really reasonable. You can do things like enable stereo audio. Um, you can also enable or turn off all their processing. But if you have, say, three or four people in a discussion, you can actually record each speaker to their own audio file and then bring it into a sound editor like Reaper or Amadeus Pro. Uh, anything that does multi-track and mix it all down so you have a nice kind of stereo um, stereo spread of the recording and you can EQ each speaker so they sound similar. All sorts of really cool features like that. Oh, wow. And you will note that Jonathan is coming through on the pro version. I am coming through on the free version because, yes, there is a free version of this app and it allows you to do quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure if it allows for the uh, recording of each speaker in a session. Um, I saw the option there, but I'm not sure if it actually does it without having it the pro. Work, yes. Yeah, but, I believe it does. Oh, well, guess what Janine will be doing for the, this particular yeah. section. The only thing is, of course, that if you've got multiple speakers with the free version, you are limited to 40 minutes per multi-person meeting. But if you're just talking one-on-one -on -one to someone, then you can go unlimited in terms of length. Wow. And for the pro version, of course, that time for multi-person meetings is unlimited. So, yeah. um, and I have actually seen this used in some government agencies where they're doing webinars, things like that. Um, and the only restriction is not being able to read the video or the, say, a PowerPoint slide that's put up on the screen. But certainly that could be, uh, you could get around that by putting some video in the slide that actually describes it too. Yep, you could do that. And you could also open a chat window and maybe tech, uh, paste some descriptions of the slides uh, in, in the chat window, which is accessible. So you've got that option as well. Uh, so there, there are a number of ways to work around it. Oh, wow. And the chat window is another way to make this completely accessible to our deafblind folks who are wanting some way to be able to participate in group meetings, right? Yes, that's right. You could you could do that. Uh, they, there's also a specific closed captions function, which enables you, which allows you to, um, to 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 get text which people can switch on or off. So you could keep potentially the chat window for sort of mainstream communications, but if somebody wants additional text because they're deaf, blind, or, or hearing impaired, uh, then you can turn on the closed captions for that particular speaker. Oh, wow. That would be amazing. And you could certainly appoint someone in the meeting to be the captioner, etc. And it looked like there were a lot of options for the host of the meeting or whoever would be designated to do so in the meeting to be able to mute participants so that you could cut down on background noise to also be able to uh, have people raise their hands when they want to be recognized. How, how does all that work? Yeah, it's really cool. So if you are running a webinar for example and you're giving a presentation 
or maybe there's there's you and a guest speaker and you're attending a meeting, then if somebody wants to speak, you can have everybody muted, as you say, to cut down on background noise. And there's a command you can press that raises your hand. And the Zoom people, this thing isn't accessible by accident. I mean, they have done a lot of work on things like ARIA and other technologies specifically to make their product accessible. And so you hear when somebody is raising their hand and you can take action on that. You can unmute them if you want to allow them to ask them a question. The one thing I should also add that in case I forget to is that there's a really interesting use case for this product that is not typical for any other market. And that is you could attend a meeting all by yourself and you could then uh, have it capture your sound card, your default sound card, and where and then turn on recording. And where this could be handy is if you want to record a technology demonstration. So let's say that you want to demonstrate a particular app on your PC. And for some people who don't have a lot of experience with sound editors and complicated audio capturing software, getting a really good quality recording of your computer speech is a hassle. You know, we know that holding up the microphone to the speaker just doesn't quite sound oh, as good. Yes. <laughs> but if you, if you can turn on this um, sound capture feature of Zoom, go into a meeting by yourself and turn recording on, then you have an absolutely brilliant way to capture the sound of your computer speech and record a really good technology demo. And it really does sound good. I've played around a little bit with that and it balances out, you know, your volume versus the um, computer's volume. It really does sound quite nice. So you can expect to be hearing some of those on main menu. Now, um, let's talk platforms because so far we have talked about this being available on Windows. What other platforms is Zoom available on? It is everywhere. And while I haven't being able to test the Android version, I have been able to verify that it's accessible on Windows, it's accessible on Mac, and it's accessible on iOS. Uh, it's a lovely app that they have on iOS, and it's kind of, with the iOS version, they've kind of optimized it for a mobile experience. So you can actually use Siri to make a call to another Zoom user, and all that does is just establish a temporary meeting with the one person you're calling and Zoom starts to ring on the other person's phone as if they were just getting a phone call. Oh, so you wow. can use it for one-on-one, person-to-person conversations. The cool thing about this is that if you go with the pro product, which if you pay for a year upfront is about 12 US dollars a month, then you get around the sandboxing limitations of iOS, which does not allow developers to introduce a call recording feature directly into the product. So you can't really record calls in iOS, but with Zoom, because they have the cloud recording feature for pro users, you can turn on cloud recording. You could record an interview with, uh, you know, on the go somewhere from your iPhone, record a great interview with somebody or a group of people. And then when the time comes, download it from the cloud, from your Zoom account, and you've just recorded, you know, recorded it on your iPhone, which is really quite exciting. That 
would be brilliant. And that is my use case for getting this for my work because we're going to be starting a podcast. I'm excited about that. I get paid to podcast. Wow. But um, I was thinking, how am I going to interview everybody? Oh, this is going to be, you know, I'm not in New York all the time. So this is going to be difficult. But actually, this makes it much, much easier, um, especially with the cloud storage now. Uh, if you are still doing the free version, what are your recording and storage options there? If you're using the free version, you can record locally on your computer, uh, on your Windows or Mac device. And I don't know about Android, which is a little bit more relaxed about things than iOS tends to be. Uh, but you're not going to have any recording option with iOS uh, unless you go pro and do the cloud recording. The other feature I should also mention that's really cool is if you don't have a, it's coming back to that te technology demonstration thing. Um, if you if you don't have a mixer and you want to say get audio off a uh, an iOS app, then you can actually share your iOS screen and the sound from apps. I I haven't had much luck with sharing actual voiceover speech, but you can get the sound from other iOS apps into your Zoom cloud meeting from the PC or Mac client because what happens is that when you choose to share from an iPhone or iPad, it turns your the Zoom client on the PC or Mac, uh, turns itself into an AirPlay receiver. And so you can just choose AirPlay mirroring on your iPhone or your iPad, and you've got screen sharing and sound sharing from your iPhone or iPad. It's, it's really amazingly well thought through. And that's for both the Windows and the Mac platforms, right? The, uh, the um airplay mirroring because that was one of those things that I thought, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this between an iOS device and a Mac or an iOS device and a Windows device. And it turns out that it does work. Um, I'm still playing with it a little bit with my going from my iPhone into my um, iMac, but we will get there. Yeah. Yes, it all does seem to work. Um, it, it's great. And I've also found that their support has been good. I've been bugging them a bit over the last few weeks that I've been putting this audio book together, asking them very tricky questions, because I think that most people care mostly about the video, and they've spent a lot of work on their uh, time working on their HD video and that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. I was, I, I knew that my audience that I was designing this book for would also be pretty concerned about some of the higher end audio features like turning off all their processing and um, uh, the stereo audio capabilities and things. So I've been tapping into their brains a bit and they're very responsive. And they really do seem to have a, a good customer focus about them too, which is good. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's, that's half the battle, I think. So you mentioned uh, a certain book. Tell us about this book. Well, it really started because Mosin Consulting is going to start using this platform quite extensively for a range of webinar-related projects. And I thought, well... If we're going to do this, let's put together some training material that's specifically blindness focused. So if you go onto Zoom's website, there are a lot of videos and there are knowledge base articles. But again, this is a, this, this, this book of mine has a blindness emphasis. So I put an audio book together. It's just over three hours long and it's called Meet Me in the Cloud, a guide to Zoom cloud meetings from a blindness perspective. And because we do want people to know how to use Zoom, at least for attending meetings, because I want them to come to the Mosin Consulting webinars when we start to hold them, the part on just attending a meeting 
and we use iPhone and Windows as examples of attending a meeting. That part is actually free and you can just go to mosin.org slash zoom and download that MP3 absolutely free. Oh, and wow. then if you want to get into more advanced features like how to host a range of meetings on a range of platforms or configure things to get the most out of it, even if you're just attending meetings, then you can buy the full three-hour audiobook for $35 and delve into into it at quite a detailed level, actually. It's, it's, not, it's not a superficial look at the platform in any way. No, I would, I would definitely say not. And I, I purchased the book because I was interested. I have the use case for work and I now have it. It's, it's a part of my <laughs> voice dream reader app and I've read it cover to cover pretty much and gone back and reread many sections as I'm planning to do different things and figuring out how to do different things. So I would highly recommend it if you have a need for this platform or can think of a need for this platform that you might want to. If you want to do a demo for main menu, um, that would be a perfect way to do it using this platform. If you're looking at uh, a PC based app or, um, you know, something like that. So yeah. And it will work with VoiceOver too on the Mac if you want to do a, a Mac app as well. I, I'm really excited about it. I mean, it's it's one of those things that was easy for me to do because I just think this is an exciting platform and I've seen it evolve. I started using it for the first time when I was doing a course at Stanford actually mm. about two and a half years ago and they used it. And my heart sinks when I see these sort of visual platforms. And a lot of them aren't accessible. <laughs> Even back then it was pretty good. Now it's phenomenal and they keep adding accessibility features and keyboard shortcuts and things. So I really think that this is one of those things that's just going to be a game changer for the blind community. I think we'll see it really being very widely adopted very quickly. Yeah, I was really surprised. I actually had occasion to use it as part of a, some work that I was doing on a government advisory committee. And they said, oh, you know, use the Zoom client. And I had no idea. And it was actually really easy. And that was about a year ago. And I wondered where it was going to go from there. And I, one of these days, hopefully, we'll solve this issue with the video and being able to read the video on the screen. But other than that, wow. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. And I, I, I think for certain applications, because there's a document object model in applications like Word and PowerPoint, I would like to see them perhaps look at a new approach so that in a product like Jaws, you could you could look at the PowerPoint presentation with the virtual cursor, for example, oh. and have it pop up in a in a little window. I think technically it's possible. And in fact, if you look at the TC conferencing platform, which people have been using for years in the mm -hmm. blind community, you can share PowerPoint and, and other things that way. So it, it is technically possible. Uh, and I guess it just it may well come down to demand uh, and also pressure from universities and institutions. I suspect that a lot of what has gone on here is to do with 508 compliance mm -hmm. and going after that lucrative education market. And so maybe there can be further advancement on there, but they've done a very fine, made a fine start, absolutely. Wonderful. And something I'm noticing as we are talking, uh, well, two things actually, quality of the meeting and latency. Uh, these are two things that uh, another one of the apps that many of us use and are sometimes forced to use that starts with S, um, which we will not have bemoan at this point, but oh my goodness, um, I am just so impressed uh, with yeah. 
just the audio no, no, quality I mean, and, you know, no dropping, anything like that. No, it, it was a big motivator for me to have a look at it because, um, you know, I, you, you, you can edit this out if you want. Um, but in, <laughs> in my view, there has been a marked deterioration in recent times in the quality of Skype. And I've been deeply troubled by it because I do use do do a lot of podcasts and and have to use this sort of technology a lot for for business and other things. And I can you know sometimes Skype is absolutely wonderful and I get a beautiful connection and I wonder what what all the fuss was about. But then I might go through two or three calls where it's really getting very bad. And I don't know what's happening to it. I think they've moved actually for, I do know what's happening to it. They've moved from a peer-to-peer -peer architecture to a server-based architecture, yes. which does have a lot of advantages for multi-person calls, especially video. But for what I use it for, which is seeking really good quality audio yes. on a one-on-one -on -one basis, um, a lot of the time it's not doing as well. Uh, Team Talk is another option that a lot of us use, yes. especially in sort of higher-end professional audio situations. And the quality is beautiful, but the problem I have with Team Talk is the latency. And I think there's just enough latency with Team Talk that you trip over your your, your other speakers a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, it is quite awkward. And I'm I'm comparing our last conversation, which was on Team Talk, and just how different it is. So yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's quite impressive actually. And yet another reason to look into this. It also seems to be, you know accessible and something that is fairly easy. It's not going to require a lot of uh, computer knowledge, etc., to join a meeting if someone sets one up, say a webinar or something like that. It's not as intimidating as uh, some other platforms are. Yeah, that's a factor for me, especially if I'm interviewing someone for, say, The Blind Side, which is not always a technology podcast it's pretty wide ranging so sometimes people that we talk to on the blind side might not be terribly tech savvy mm -hmm. if i can say to them look just click on this url and if you've never been on a zoom meeting before there's a little application that will run most people can cope with that i would not dream of giving a non-tech savvy person uh, a team talk room or you know even if i packaged it up into a .tt file and I'd have to get them to download it and configure it. And it, I just can't expect them to do that. So even if they're starting from zero with this thing, the barriers to entry are very minimal. But the thing is, um, I just recorded an interview with somebody, with a couple of people today for the blind side. And I tentatively sent an email to them and I said, um, we're using this thing these days called Zoom. And they immediately came back and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we use that all the time. It's our video platform of choice. And that's the thing, you know, it's being used by half, over half now of the Fortune 50 companies in the United States. It's being oh, wow. used by over 900 education institutions. This thing has gone really mainstream. And so there are benefits in using a mainstream technology that works well for us. Absolutely. And being able to know how to use it, how to manipulate it, how to be able to give good presentations with it is a huge employment skill, folks. Trust me. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. If you can give a compelling presentation, run a PowerPoint slideshow, that is huge. Now, if I am sitting here um, working with my computer, will you be able to hear my audio from my computer or not? I'm actually wearing a headset at this point, so. 
Um, if you went ahead and activated the screen sharing option and then you checked the box that said share my computer's audio, I think it's called, uh -huh. that, then yes, but but otherwise no. So it's it's something that you expressly have to enable and you can disable it at any time. Um, if you're good with your sound setup and whatever operating system you use, you can do some pretty cool things. So for example, if you're wearing a microphone headset, you could potentially have your screen reader speech going through that microphone headset, but set your Windows default sound card to your onboard sound, let's say. Uh -huh. And that means that the JAWS would stay with you because um, Zoom only captures audio from the default Windows sound source. So Zoom would stay um, with, with, that, uh, with that sound source and JAWS would stay on the headset. And therefore you could play something from your media player or from your sound editor if it was using the default sound card. And, and you'd have your JAWS speech completely separated from the meeting. Wow. Wow. And I don't think, you know, um, well, I know that I've never been exposed to anything with that kind of control before, so that'll be really fun to play with. Yeah. Great. Now, there is another product I have seen on the Zoom uh, website, which is zoom.us, by the way, and that's where you'll download the software from. Uh, but it is called Zoom Rooms. Are you familiar with that product at all? A little. It seems to be a kind of conference room setup that is designed to integrate with uh, businesses who use a lot of, con you know, special con specialized co conferencing hardware, like mm -hmm. um, some of those Polycom devices that oh. you see in meeting rooms and that sort yes. of thing. That's my understanding of, of how it works. Aha. I was wondering about that because I went ahead and downloaded it just to see what it was about and to see if that was something that, you know, we might be able to use in a, in a work environment, etc. And not really sure about that one, but, uh, well, that'll be your next book, right? No, maybe. If there's demand, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been quite impressed by how excited some people in the blind community who I really respect and value have, have become about this Zoom platform. So it's cool when we stumble upon something that could really change the way so many of us do things. Well, it's just really nice to find a mainstream application that you're not fighting with constantly yeah. or, or there's <laughs> such a steep learning curve and you're thinking, I am never going to figure this out. I'm going to have to learn all new commands and the commands are so, um, goodness, um, I'm using it right now on an iMac, but I've got the Windows version up and going too on the work computer and I've got the iOS version going on both of my phones. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it just is very easy to move from one to the other to the other and it's not really different between the platforms which is nice as well no that that is the thing that um it, it's not you're not logged into any particular platform and they sync up as well so for example if i schedule a meeting with you and i do that on my iphone which i prefer to do because my icloud calendar is my primary oh yes because it, yeah, mm -hmm. it syncs with everything but then when i go back to my pc even if I don't have the iCloud application installed on my PC that integrates with Outlook, I can still open the Zoom meeting clients and see all of the meetings that I have scheduled from my iPhone as long as I'm logged into the same Zoom account. Mm -hmm. And there are plugins for Outlook that you can download from the Zoom website. There are also plugins for Firefox and Chrome which also work quite nicely and allow you to uh, set up Zoom meetings with people, et cetera, through those applications, which is quite nice. 
Yeah, I've been using those. So you can just um, go ahead and, and add a add a, a calendar event, but it integrates with Zoom, and then you can type in your invitees, and they get the link to the meeting. And you know, the, this thing is designed for large institutions, be they educational or commercial. So all of those things for scheduling and things, uh, there's a lot of attention that has been paid to them. And that part at this point looks completely accessible from the little bit that I've played with it. I was, um, I was really, really happy about that. Now, what about legacy software? Because there are still some of us who are on Windows 7. And, you know, we, we'll give our warning here, folks. Please upgrade if and when you can, uh, because soon Windows 7 won't be supported. But also a lot of the software that you're using is not going to be supported either. And so will this work? on Windows 7, do you know? I don't know, I'm afraid. Uh, I can't see anything in the software that looks particularly sort of proprietary to Windows 10, but but I would echo your sentiments. Um, there, Microsoft is doing so much with accessibility under Windows 10, I honestly can't think of a single reason why uh, you would you would not want to upgrade, especially given that the Windows 10 upgrade is still free for blind people right now. Yes. I would jump on it right now. And I think you're going to be very surprised pleasantly at uh, how Windows 10 performs and some of the neat things you can do with it and how much Narrator has improved. From, well, of course, anything would be an improvement from Windows 7, but <laughs> when it comes to Narrator, but Narrator is getting, you know, fairly powerful. And so, well, let's look at the future with Mosin Consulting and the future with your endeavors. So what is coming up for you? You're probably going to be heading over here for the conventions very soon, right? We'll be watching the conventions with interest from a distance. So we'll be we'll be tuning into the stream and all that ah. stuff. But we won't we won't actually be there in person. Lucky um, you. <laughs> we are we, we are doing some pretty exciting things with this um, Zoom Cloud Meeting platform. We've got uh, some exciting webinar modules that we're about to announce. We also have had something running for a wee while now called our Job Club, and Bonnie, my wife, and partner in Mosin Consulting has been looking after this. She wrote a book last year called It's Off to Work We Go, which is a guide to job seeking when you're blind. And it's it's really popular with our customers, and it's a very <laughs> chatty read. She writes very well, and she's quite chatty with the way she writes. And um, when you buy that book you automatically get a subscription to our job club and where we all get together every month and talk about tips and tricks for job searching and we sometimes get experts and to offer a perspective on a particular issue of job hunting and we're going to be making that um, job club available the next session is going to be completely free and then after that we're going to be moving to the zoom cloud meeting platform so that even if you haven't bought the book, but you might like to attend the occasional webinar on a specific topic of interest to you, you'll be able to purchase that webinar at a very low cost and head on in. Wow, well, definitely send us information about that because we would love to feature that here on Main Menu. And for a lot of the folks out there that are job hunting or thinking about a career change, etc. Sure. Wonderful. Now, where all can we find you out in the, uh, in the great internet world? Well, we are on the web at mosen.org. That's M-O-S-E-N.org. If you want to go straight to the book on Zoom Cloud Meetings, it's at mosen.org slash Zoom. And if you would like to, you can also follow Mosen Consulting 
which is a one word on Twitter. And what we do with that account is we do talk about our own stuff that we're working on, but we also like to share a lot of technology news from a range of sources that we think might be of interest to our customers. So we're not just pushing our own barrow. We hope that um, our, our little slogan, as it were, is blindness information for blindness opportunities. So by providing interesting information to our Twitter followers, we hope we're also helping to empower people with that information. Great. Fantastic. And one of the really helpful things in the book, uh, if you are a JAWS user, Jonathan is going to give you, you know, a lot of the JAWS commands and, and how to work with JAWS with Zoom meetings. And I thought that was very helpful for the Windows side of it. Yes. I I guess, you know, we it gets pretty tedious if we try to cover every single screen reader set of commands. Oh, command. goodness. I was going to say you could never do it. But, yeah. but just yeah. being able to know, you know, the basics of, okay, here's how I'm going to access this information with this, especially so many of us are new to JAWS. So that's kind of, yeah. it, it's a big so, help. <laughs> Yeah, what, what we did was we, we decided, okay, we'll, we'll have a JAWS on the Windows side when we look at working on the desktop platform. Uh, we'll do voiceover for iOS, which I think is pretty clearly the most used mobile uh, option right now. And hopefully people who use other platforms can extrapolate what they need. We do occasionally refer to Mac commands for the Zoom client when we have them. So hopefully I think everybody, no matter what platform they're using, can get something out of this. Yes, and it's the Mac commands are fairly straightforward, plus a lot of the commands within the program, um, you can get the keyboard shortcuts, you can get their already spoken, their tags. So it's actually quite, quite useful. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, again, this book is Meet Me in the Cloud. And finish out the title for me, because I know I'm going to mess this up. Oh, that's that's the title. And the <laughs> subtitle is uh, is a guide to Zoom cloud meetings from blindness perspective. There we go. There we go. That book is available for $35 US from Mosin Consulting at mosin.org slash Zoom. And you can read more about the book. You can also download the free sections of the book and see if this is something that you might want to get into. And we are certainly looking at it as a really productive tool for our main menu interviews. And as you can hear, they're really high quality of this interview. I'm still stunned, frankly. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just really nice. Um, it really rocks, doesn't it? I mean, it seriously does. Oh, my does. goodness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I am looking forward to to getting the pro version and access to that because of some of the wonderful um, abilities that I'm going to have to do things like echo cancellation and, and uh, or turn all of that off That's and be able to go through my mixer or through my computer with my microphones and things like that. So, and I will sound as good as Jonathan someday. Wow. <laughs> when he, he realizes that's an inside joke because Jonathan is actually the reason that I'm here on Main Menu. He actually ran a class, for all of you who don't know, back in 2000 on how to use SoundForge at the ACB convention. And he said, you know, I'd like to have a few people volunteer for this new thing we're trying called ACB Radio. So, <laughs> Gosh, that was a while ago and I here we was. all still are. Isn't that it, nice? The scary part is, Jonathan, that it's it's going on 20 years ago, and that's the frightening part for me. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I first set my first Shoutcast server up. I remember this on New Year's Eve 1998, just going into 1999, oh and I was my. supposed to be writing my master's thesis, and the Shoutcast audio technology came out. And something just clicked inside me and said, man, this is going to be a game changer for the blind community. So I went online. Uh, so on New Year's Eve 
next year. It'll be 20 years, and wow. um, I'm going to have to do something special about that. Oh, because that could be epic, I think. Epic, that, that's that right. That could be definitely epic. So I think folks will want to definitely tune in and find you on internet radio. And you can you can go to Jonathan's website, read all about his adventures and, and various projects on internet radio. Uh, he does have the Blindside podcast, which is extremely informative, especially in the world view. I particularly like that aspect of it. Because... Yeah, it's fun. I, I get. I mean, I love the technology like everybody, but technology is is a means to an end. And so we also like to talk about other other things in the blind community because there are lots of tech podcasts and they're very good. Uh, but I think one bit of value that I can add is to look at some other issues in the community as well as some of the tech occasionally. Certainly, certainly. And uh, politics and uh, sort of that international flavor of not everything is what we see here in the U.S. And sometimes that's a, a perspective that I think we need. So uh, look for The Blind Side in your podcatcher of choice. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here on Main Menu. And don't be a stranger to us, of course. It's always a pleasure, Janine. Thank you for your interest. I appreciate it. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Joe again uh, up here with an update. I installed Android 7. Nugget on the Sony Bravia TV uh, yesterday, and everything went really, really well. It was all accessible. I wasn't, you know, one hundred percent sure how it goes. My first time updating, you know, through a TV, uh, everything went fine. Um, I want to share one more thing with you guys because I think this is kind of cool. However, I have learned some interesting details. <laughs> To say the least, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start the TV so you can hear. I have TalkBack running, so you're going to hear what it sounds like with TalkBack on when I, when I turn it on. Eleven twenty-nine p.m. Okay, so you hear it say the time just like you do when you unlock the phone. Um, Selected Stevens monologue get Amazon bit Hulu. MLB play games, rope games, out of asphalt night channels in list selected settings. In uh, one settings. cool thing that I like is everything kind of used to be in a grid. You know, you, go, you have things left and right, up and down. Since the update, everything is just up and down as far as the settings screen. Now the uh, uh, the home screen is still the same. You still have like grid like uh, feel, but the settings app is a lot is a lot nicer because you can just go down. Storage and reset. Initial setup. About. Network and ex- network. Loop. Voice. Re- RS. System. Date and time. Language. Keyboard. Search. Speech. Accessibility. Captions. Display closed. Audio description. High contract. Services. Top back on. Switch access off. So before you had to go into services and then, you know, each like heading was a thing you had to click on. Now they're just headings and you can go down to it. So, uh, Talk back on. So talk back Double right tap there. to activate. Switch but access I'm, off. I'm, we're going to go one Double more tap to, activate. to a different place here. Hang on one second. Text magnification. Screen reader. Text to speech. Double tap to activate. Preferred engine. Heading. In list. Eight. Google text to speech engine. Checked radio. ETI eloquence. TTS. Not checked. Alert attention. Cancel button. This speech synthesis engine may be able to collect all the text that will be spoken, including personal data. Cancel button. Okay. But settings. And we have eloquence. Look at that. No modding or anything. You just buy the app or whatever. And um, once it's on your Google account, 
you have access. The reason I wanted to show this because I've read rumors that you had to sideload and everything. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and reboot this real quick um, because, number one, I want to show how quick it is to a degree. And then, two, I want to um, uh, demonstrate Netflix because <laughs> I should have demoed it with the Google app first. But you remember what it sounded like before. Nothing's really changed. However, with Eloquence, it'll probably prove me wrong because I got it going now. But with Eloquence, I installed 7 got eloquence installed went to netflix it was not working and i'm like what is going on like i can't imagine that just updating broke it this bad and i was kind of getting worried well then i finally i did everything i could think of i updated webview got off the beta then you know just trying to do things i could think of that would maybe fix it and i finally decided i'm going to uh go ahead and go back to the google tts and uh, that seemed to fix it. So I'm curious to see what will happen when this comes up. And now we're back on. Um, so I'm going to hit the home button. All right, now. When you restart the TV, it goes into uh, what's called... It goes into TV, like, it takes you into your input modes, which I wish it wouldn't do, um, honestly. I wish it would just go to the home screen. That would be nice. Because, you know, I don't always want to watch TV. So I hit enter on Netflix here. Yeah, so it, it says Netflix and it goes bloop. But with Eloquence, I'm arrowing around and nothing. <laughs> so I don't know why that is, honestly. Um... So let's get out of this. Now let me show you one more cool thing about uh, Android 7. If I hold the, stop. If I hit the home button, okay, it brings me into an overview. So I can actually see what apps I've used recently. There we go. And for some reason, Netflix was on, and I could have even arrowed to something, but it doesn't. It doesn't work, and I don't know why. Open app again. Button. Feedback. Launch. Feedback. Launch. Your stopped. Open app again. Send feedback. Button. Send feedback. Feedback. Space. That's the first time that's happened. So I'm not sure. Interesting. Space. Um. Oh, I don't really see. I don't really want to send feedback. I guess. But. Check. Go to the legal check. Include system logs. Checkbox. Write your feedback. Edit box. Go to the. Okay. Send. There we go. Home screen. Selected. Steve's not logged. Steve messed up. All right. So now, Netflix, Pro 2, TV software, Netflix, YouTube, Pro 2, Asphalt, Michael, Channels, and List, Selected, Settings, and List, Settings. Let's go back to the Google TTS. I don't know why the eloquence is so. I mean, I don't know why it's buggy like that. Um, and usually I have to reset or reboot, um, rather. Search, speech, accessibility. Captions, Screen reader, off, text to speech. Double tap to activate. 
And that's the Sony screen reader, the one that says screen reader. ETI Google Text to Speech Engine, not checked, radio button, not checked. And then it says not checked. I don't know why it does that, but. ETI Eloquence TTS, not checked, rate Google Text, right, anyway. home uh, screen. Now, I'm going to try this before we're starting. Selected Stevens model. Amazon video. Just to Ro show you. Netflix, row two. Netflix. So we got, we got the bloop, just like we did before. See, I may have to reset because it's... Now, so like I'm in Netflix. So if I hit select, for example, and then select, we should, um, and I have my TV on, but I don't, <laughs> or my speakers. Uh, but we should actually be hearing something now. I'm gonna, let me turn these on. 1983, yep. Hawkins, Indiana. So we're actually listening to something. I don't know what this is, but um, but there's no Hawkins National Laboratory, U.S. Department of Energy. There's no speech. Inside, fluorescent lights flicker in a drab, windowless corridor. We have audio description. The view moves in on a heavy metal door at the end of the corridor. Suddenly, a balding man in a white lab coat bursts through the door and bolts down so, the corridor. But if I he hit corners before reaching an elevator, he frantically. If I hit back, I have no speech. So now, let me home screen quickly one more time uh, and just so everybody knows you can do a reboot on the device by holding the power button for 10 seconds on the remote power off and then it will and it just say power off you don't actually have to hit anything it'll just automatically cycle at that point when it says power off it'll just automatically go and reboot I don't know what that show was that kind of sounded interesting I wish I had speech so I knew what that was <laughs> maybe it'll be on my uh, continue watching since I watch that's why I let it play for a second um yeah I mean I love this TV so much I mean you know it, it definitely did frustrate me with the eloquence thing today but you know I was like I kind of just narrowed down the problems as you do sometimes with the Android I think you know kind of I mean not that iOS has those issues I mean iOS if something breaks or just breaks I mean there's really not a whole lot of fixing you can do because it's all built into one thing but Android has you know web view and you just have different things to, to, um, you know, that you can encounter. So, um, so let me hit down here. External so, input screen. Uh, all right. So I'm going to hit home. Overview. Program guide. Overview. Dismiss recent apps button. Program guide. One more thing to say here. Uh, so when you go to the app switcher, uh, it's kind of a weird screen, sort of. So you have, you can go left or right on these programs. Right now, program guys the only thing that's showing. But if I hit down, you have to hit dismiss on each one, kind of like the Apple TV. Um, I wish there was a clear all like you do on the phones. So I'm not sure why they didn't put one, to be honest with you. Um, that would have been nice. Asphalt Nitro. So, YouTube, row two, column one, Play Store, row. Netflix. All right, so now I'm going to go into Netflix. And Netflix was kind of Netflix. being buggy as far as 
wanting to open sometimes. I don't know why, but it it was it was being a little weird. Kids. Oh, here we go. Yep. Yeah. Joe. So now I'm on my I'm on my profile, which like I said, it just is it's definitely like slower Joe. since the update, but it it still works, which on the is good. Screen. But in the spotlight row, now, one title in this row, Black Mirror, The Sleep, in the continue watching for Joe Row, five titles in this row, that seventies show, Who Framed Sorry, Roger Rabbit, that seventies show, Stranger Things, season one episode one, Fort, Trailer Park Boys, Airbud seventh inning fetch, so. Stranger Things. Now I'm back into this. So if I, maybe that was Stranger On the details things, screen for Stranger Things. Resume S1, F1. One of six buttons. When a young boy vanishes, a small town uncovers a mystery involving secret experiments. Ter- yeah, I think that's Indiana. Playing. Let's see. 47 minutes, 25 seconds remaining. An elevator, he frantically hits the Press OK to pause. I haven't watched Stranger Things, so. Anyway, so I just wanted to show you... On the details screen you for can Stranger run... Um, one. You can run voiceover or eloquence. Sorry. But you. Okay. Home screen. Home screen. Um, you can run everything, but it's just it, it eloquence. But it's just it is a little bit buggier. I don't know why. Um, since the, up, the update, everything runs pretty well. I mean, it, it's maybe a tad bit laggier than it was before i mean maybe a little but it's still not a i i guess here's my thing if if you're kind of wanting to thinking about doing this it has its issues i'm not gonna i mean i may have painted a really good picture in the the review i did before this but you know it's the idea that you know we're starting to be able to get tvs and we can have access we've never had before and that like setting it up ourselves and and updating it ourselves i mean if i mean you know heck i mean the tv i had before this it wasn't a smart tv but you know i i I don't know what settings were in there i never could play with them um and i I mean i like the samsung tv that was demoed on here before i i really had a hard time going between the two I ultimately set up with the Sony because I was like, you know, I could do so much more with it. I mean, I can... The neat thing is <clears throat> you can attach a drive uh, to it, like through USB, or uh, and you can actually record onto it. I haven't really played with that, but there is a guide out there that I saw that kind of walks you through it. Uh, the other thing is, <clears throat> you know... Um, you know, being able to use like file browser and Google Cast to it uh, from my iPhone, I mean, that stuff is just so neat. And I, I mean, I had an Apple TV, but I just I didn't like. Well, I had my inaccessible TV, and I couldn't tell what inputs I was on all the time. It was frustrating, and I couldn't tell the TV was on or off. And I just I love this TV so much more because I have so much more control over it. I know if it's on, I know if it's off. Um, because <clears throat> you can turn it off and then hit the arrows and if it doesn't talk then it's off <laughs> you know so um it doesn't necessarily say power or music or anything i wish it kind of had a tone it played that would be a little helpful but um but still 
I I just I I mean I I can't say enough how much I like this TV. Yes, there are some some things I would change about certain things, but at the end of the day, um, I have all the apps I really need and can do the things I want. They're also going to be releasing Google Assistant uh, to the Sony TVs. We're going to be the first ones that get it uh, as far as the smart TVs go and different things. So you will actually be able to have more of the Google Home experience on your TV when you hit the voice button. Um, so that that's exciting. Um, <clears throat> so again, if you have any questions... My email is josephlhodge at gmail.com. Uh, shoot me an email. I love to talk TVs. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I haven't ever played with the Philips TV. There's other 4K options um, with Android. The biggest thing is you want to make sure it has Android TV. I just don't know if those are as easy to enable TalkBack and if if you can set them up accessibly yourself. Um the only thing, like I said, about setting up the TV, I am, I thought I was a handyman and knew how to do stuff, and I had a hard time getting the brackets to screw in on the stand, the table stand for this thing. Uh, it did not really make sense to me for a long time. I actually had to have a friend come over and help me, but, um, but you know, everything was pretty accessible. But I, I paid the extra and had Best Buy come out. Uh, my first TV I got from. Um, Best Buy online, so they shipped it to me via UPS, and I got everything together, and we got it sitting up, and my friend noticed a crack when we turned it on, Uh, you know, that something happened in shipping, we didn't do it, but, you know, something happened in shipping that, you know, they didn't spot when we were installing it, Um, but, uh, so I had to take that back, and I just told Best Buy, I paid them 50 extra dollars and said, come out and install it, they came out and installed it. That was a much better experience for me. I just, you know, because I just didn't have to worry about getting it back home on paratransit or anything like that. So it ended up being a really good experience. So, again, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. I don't know that I have all the answers, but (laughs) I'll try. Uh, And uh, I just want to get blind people. I I mean, I love Main Menu for the past i mean i've always loved it but um you know i really am getting into this tv stuff i think it's about time that we have accessible options uh with the sony screener by the way the guide is still accessible with the update so that's that's good news um so i will uh i'll keep randy informed of any changes that happen if anything big and uh i'll see you uh, see you guys later Hi there, this is Randy Rusnak speaking. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about the Vox, V-A-U-X. It's a docking station for the Dot. Yes, the Echo Dot. I thought about it for a while, and I thought how best to simulate how the Dot sounds to the human ear and how the Vox sounds to the human ear. Which would you rather listen to? Music that sounds like this... or music that sounds like this. I think you get the idea what I mean. The Vox is a docking station for your dot. It sounds like I'm talking a foreign language, doesn't it? Well, 
The dot, as you know, is an echo device. It looks like a hockey puck. It has connections in the back, a USB to an electrical outlet plug so you can plug it in and always have power, and it has one more connection, a mini plug that can plug into a standard speaker so you can have really good output, or you can connect it up to your main stereo to give you great sound. It also has Bluetooth capability, or you can put it in the dock, which is called the Vox. Now, this is for only the second generation dot. And now I will describe it for you. The Vox is shaped kind of like a big jar or a big drum. It's round and it has kind of rough fabric, kind of like a screen feeling material. And the whole circumference actually has a circular speaker so that it comes from all sides. It has a push button in the back that will turn on and off the power. It has a USB port to charge it, and you can charge while it's sitting inside the Vox. And now I will demonstrate it for you. Play the blues. Here's a station for blues music, all blues. <laughs> Now this is coming directly from the Vox, V-A-U-X. Pause. Now I'll, I'll undock it from the station. There's a rubber panel in the back that I will pull back. I don't have to pull them both, I'll just unplug the speaker. Play me some blues. Here's a station for blues music, all blues. Now I plug in the box. Give me one reason to stay. Take away my life. I don't want no one to squeeze me. Then I take away my life. Stop. I hope you could tell from this demonstration, it does have a lot more punch. And this is at volume two. It can really be cranked. It costs $49 and you can get it from Amazon. It's from 97life. That's 90, N-I-N-T-Y, the number seven, life. I hope you enjoy it. Remember, get it on Amazon for $49.95. I hope you enjoy it because I sure do enjoy mine. I should quickly mention it will run about six hours and you can walk around with it all day until you have to charge it up again. It takes about four hours to charge, but while it's charging, you can listen. And speaking of listening, thank you for listening and for downloading this podcast. Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream and repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen by pointing any internet device to acbradio.org mainstream, grab it as a podcast, listen using ACB Link for iOS, or call 605-475-8130 at airtime. Would you like to submit a product review or demonstration? Email us at mainmenu at acbradio.org. 
you can reach out to us on Twitter at Main Menu. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.